Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green PGA Daily Fantasy Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock here with Colin Drew uh, to talk about the WGC Mexico and recap a little bit of the Genesis Open. Uh, this was the first week that I, that I just got wrecked. This was this was the first week where where I, I think I had one six of six and five of six was not making money this week. It was uh, the first week you didn't do the podcast too. I wonder if those two things go hand in hand. My research was definitely not near as good. Like it was definitely just like I sorted by public ownership and then xed out the top like six guys or whatever, and then just ran off of that on the on the tools. <laughs> yeah, not the best process probably. Um, in general, Everyone but, told me that winning at PGA was all you have to do to win at PGA is fade the chalk. It, it is funny though. I do feel like when you have to do content, you end up being so much more prepared. And sometimes that's a really good thing. Sometimes it feels like you've like done too much research and by like Wednesday you're burnt out. You don't even want to look at teams anymore. So it goes a little bit of both ways, but always better to be prepared. And I'm sorry that Leone couldn't bring the sharp takes for you last week. Did you guys, did you guys give out JB Holmes? Uh, I, only mentioned JB Holmes. I ended up actually having him on the, one of my teams in the 444 three max. And I finished 13th in that, which was barely enough to cover like the other two entries that didn't cash, but it was a five of six team with Holmes. So that was pretty tilting. Just who stays in, uh, missing the cut. Yeah. So, so hadn't had him missing the cut hurt. So that team was five of six, but I mean, it's so rare that you hit like a 4% owned winner. So then when you don't get like six to six with it, um, it just feels like it was a good week for me, like made like four or five K, but it feels like a big missed opportunity. Uh, how did you do in the showdowns? Uh, weekend golf was, was awesome. Weekend, weekend golf and showdown. Basically there's like this one guy, JK one, two, three X and he crushes showdown weekend. And it's like, if you could beat him, you can win three mans. And if you can't beat him, then it's a bad week. So happened weekend, to have weekend golf was good, but uh, I just got beat by everyone who played tiger in, in showdown. Like every, like all, in all my games, I just got beat by people who were playing tiger, like especially the round three showdown. Yeah. I just did the weekend. I didn't do round three showdown. I felt like with the moving cut line and everything, I felt like there was going to be more of an edge in weekend. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It ended up being a, a pretty decent week. The event was kind of crazy. Obviously JB Holmes coming from four back to beat Justin Thomas. I don't think anyone really saw that coming just because JT is so solid all around and it feels like he usually has everything it takes to pick himself up. If part of his game isn't clicking, he's good with his irons. He's good with his putter. You know, none of that kind of came to fruition and it's kind of been like the story of the year so far is just, I feel like every week there's been some pretty big leads like going into the final day and then a lot of big collapses. You kind of had that huge Xander comeback win at the Sony to beat um, or the tournament champions to beat it, Woodland. It's been good TV, all of it. Yeah. yeah. And like even Ricky, like the almost collapse. So a lot of Sunday drama. I usually like it more when it like starts out and there's like four guys within like a shot or two. But these, these have been kind of like crippling losses i do i do love a guy who's leading going plus five like that's all because that's relatable right like you, <laughs> you just go out there and you're like oh man i i know what it's like to shank that shot like i can i can understand shanking that shot you it reminds reminds you that uh you know these guys are the best golfers in the world and they're still you know anyone anyone can hook uh off the tee at any time 
Yeah, choking, definitely relatable. Uh, really big week for two of our subscribers in Slack. So shout out to, uh, I'm going to say it's GLAS10, but it could be GLAS10. Uh, but GLAS10 won 50K with a Rom Tiger, Scott List, Holmes, CT Pan lineup. And then a uh, longtime subscriber member, Philly Dilly, won the club twirl for 50K. Uh, had JT, Xander, JB Holmes, Kokrak, Siwoo Kim, and List. So huge week for two of the guys in chat, 100K between the two of them. Um, definitely really strong start to the year for them. They managed to dodge some of the, the value plays that we were really high in that ended up missing the cut. Obviously, uh, Ustazen and Haddon being two of the more painful ones. Anytime you can win 50K with Luke List, it's a good time to be alive. That's really <laughs> yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Philly is like a Siwoo Kim truther. So uh, he's giving the data golf guys shit because they always are pretty low on Siwoo Kim. And now he's uh, he's more than made up for any Siwoo Kim losses, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he can, and now he can just bet Siwoo Kim every week for the rest of the year and just be fine and know that those are plus EV, well, not plus EV bets, but, uh, but you know, it's, he's just taking some out of the coffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I don't know. It'll be interesting this week. WGC Mexico, no cut event. Fields just more than 70 guys. Um, everyone's going to play all four rounds. So no cut sweat. But uh, it, means, it means you won't be drawing dead by noon on Thursday. I love, I love, you know, waking up on Saturday morning with $0 in contest winnings, but still knowing that you're theoretically live to win some money if one of your dudes gets an ace or you have two guys post like 64s. Like that's always a good feeling. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, the, the leaderboards change so much or it can change so much with the no cut event that, I mean, that's one of the things that I'm trying to think about from a strategy perspective is just with the no cut event, the cuts sort of a variance inducer. So like who stays in missed the cut last week, but he actually played really well in the first round to green and lost like three to four strokes putting and then had a, a okay round kind of had it looked like he was going to make a charge at the cut line and then kind of fell back a little bit, but in a four round event, like who knows what happens Saturday or Sunday, obviously big charges from uh, a lot of different people on the weekend, including tiger. So um, just making the cut can, can do a lot and we don't have to worry about this year. So, or this week. Um, so I don't know, maybe play a little bit less contrarian on some of the value guys, maybe focus less on individual contrarian plays and think more about the the kind of balance of ownership of my roster. Yeah, I think just like really maximizing top five potential has to be the way to approach this event or, or focusing more on the DraftKings scoring aspect and rather than focusing on the finishing because I think the field size is what, 77 guys in this week? Yeah, so up top for sure you're going to have to have the the you know winner – first, second, you know, fifth, whatever, whatever happens up there. And then the value guys definitely drafting scoring ends up mattering more. Um, there's just not going to be a huge number of points that separate whoever finishes 30th and whoever finishes 50th. Like it's just not going to be that right. big of a deal compared to obviously whoever finishes like first and fifth, there's going to be, you know, 20, 30 points separating them. So this course is a par 71 at 7,345 yards, but that distance is pretty misleading because I think the elevation number, like if you've read any content for PGA DFS this week, you know it's played up at about 8,000 feet up in the mountains. And if it gets hot, 
then the ball is going to travel even further. I think some of the numbers I would reference is that the ball goes kind of 10, 15 yards further than normal. If it gets hot, it can go even further than that. So to me, this seems like the classic uh, you know, bomb and gouge, like wedge play is going to be king here. Strokes gained approach, strokes gained a- around the green. feel like they're going to be pretty important this week. Yeah, I was, I was hoping you were going to mention that the event was at Club de Golf, Chipotle. No, yeah, I'm not, to- not, I didn't want to say it. I was going to leave it for you. <laughs> I was like, I might botch that, but maybe Davis will pick it up. You know, he was an English major. He should be able to pronounce these pronounce pronounce a spanish name yeah not a chance that's all that's all you uh the last two winning scores here minus 14 minus 16 dj and phil and i guess it probably is worth reminding people uh wgc's are not won by scrubs it just it just doesn't really happen like wgc winners in general are going to be pretty high pedigree golfers probably like the fields are super strong and when you shrink the field down, you know, by half, you're adding a lot of those minuscule win probabilities to the guys at the top, basically. Yeah, I mean, definitely it would expect the, the winner to be a known person, uh, especially for folks who follow golf regularly. Some of the European tour players are certainly live to contend here and, and might be lesser known if you're not playing kind of week in, week out um, or every year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you're looking most likely the winner's going to come from within the top 15, but they're, they're kind of guys inside the top 35 that are all sort of live this week. Um, and I think yeah, it'll make it for a fun event. Um, definitely course does not end up playing as far as it seems like it does 13th and par just in distance, narrow fairways. You kind of look at some of the guys who have done here well previously. And to me, there's not really a clear course fit or anything like that. I think, the data golf historic event data shows it over indexes in strokes gain T to green. So off the T and approach um, more so than putting, but that also just aligns with the field being really high quality. And you look at kind of the T to green leaders from previous years. And um, I would say the first year that they played it, it seemed like it, it seems like a bombers leaderboard, DJ, Rory, Fleetwood, Peters, Rom, like, but then the second year the event was here, it's kind of more of a mixed bag with obviously uh, JT in there. But in Phil, but you also have Norin, Haddon, Spieth. So um, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like, given the field strength, it doesn't feel like the course fit dynamics are that relevant, especially at the top end. Uh, maybe a little bit more for value guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that I think that makes the most sense. I guess knowing that a, a course plays shorter does make me want to have guys who are going to be shooting like. 80 yard wedge shots though. Like I just can't, I can't help myself, but want to play Lucas Barry's yard or whatever. Like I just, I just want guys who are going to be pushing it so far down. No, Lucas Barry's yard is like classic, like fish play. I, I just knew I was like, there's a couple guys in here that Davis is going to tout. And he was, not, he was a candidate. Aaron Rye was the other one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rye, not one of my guys. I, back when DK first added the Euro tour golf, I used to play and Barry's yard was a guy I would have all the time. Yeah, the European products still feel like it could be a little bit bigger than it is. It's kind of like when they have some of the big events, I feel like they don't push the boundaries enough because I'm not going to play some of the smaller field stuff, but uh, I definitely would play some of the stronger field stuff. They made the contest a little bit larger. I think it's just harder to do content and good projections for it because the data is not really there. Yeah, and then when there's less content, there's less like podcast talk about it. There's less interest from the more casual people because they don't feel they feel like it's going to be a ton of work for like a little return um so yeah that's tough i don't know 
no cut event. Um, I guess some of the stuff, if you're kind of newer to PGA DFS, there, especially in the large field tournaments, there's going to be a lot more lineup overlap than there would be in a full field. Um, and there's not the kind of cut to separate lineups. So between that, I think there are a, a couple different ways you can kind of differentiate yourself to try to have lineups that are still live to win, but might have a higher chance to be unique or if they are duped, duped with fewer users. I think leaving the salary on the table is the easiest way to do that. You can leave like 300 bucks on the table, but I think the best way to do it in our lineup optimizer is to set a constraint on the total maximum ownership, projected ownership of your lineup. And if you set that kind of somewhere between 90 and 105%, it'll really increase the likelihood that you generate unique lineups while still potentially mixing in some contrarian full salary cap lineups. So that's something I'll be thinking about a little bit this week, especially if I end up playing some of the larger field GPPs. I definitely think what I'm going to do is knock down the maximum allow- amount of salary like allowed to use. Cause I think that's, that's like the best way I think to guarantee unique lineup construction or is that, do you just think that's totally bad? No, I don't think it's totally bad. I think it's the easiest way. I don't think it's the best way. I think the best way... Definitely the easiest way. Yeah, it's super easy and it'll help a lot, but you'll still get some chalky teams in there. I think if you set the total projected ownership constraint, that will do a really good job, especially if you combine that with the salary requirements. So I think those are a couple of different ways. Um, I mean, you never know what's going to happen, Like, especially if, if you're using content that a lot of other people use. Um, there's more likelihood that you'll end up duplicating a little bit there. And there's like a there's like a couple guys who are going to be like bad chalk, I think. So like eliminating some of the bad chalks right away should help you not have quite duplicated lineups. Yeah, I'm struggling uh, with ownership early this week. Just the the no cut events are always harder. I definitely have a, a lower R squared on those events than some of the other ones. And I also like, I guess I'm less contrarian in the no cut event just because you don't have the cut inducing the variance but like ownership still matters a lot but it just there's less like variance as far as individuals results being thrown off by one bad round so i'll probably play a little bit more a little bit more vanilla this week i guess focusing more on the total lineup ownership versus like just hard fading someone who projects well that's popular well, I have a take cannon ready for the expensive guys. So, you know, everyone should just be prepared for this. But the uh, the expensive guys in order of salary, Justin Thomas, actually more expensive than Justin Johnson. And for good reason. Uh, his stats are like absolutely insane. Uh, JT has been gaining six to eight strokes on approach so far, but his driver has not been near as good, which actually I would say this week I wouldn't be super worried about because he's just going to be able to like, he can hit his three wood off the tee or he can like he can tee off with a five iron on some of these holes. And I don't think he'll be sacrificing uh, a ton. And then we have uh, Roy McIlroy, John Rom, Ricky Fowler, Bryson DeChambeau. If you had to guess who I'm getting ready to fire the take cannon off on one of the guys above 10K, who do you think it is? I, I would I would guess Rory would just because you're a fanboy and I think he's shown enough to get a little bit more fired up about him. Um, that would it's, be my first guess. It's Bryson season. I, I am I'm I am all in on Bryson DeChambeau this week. I think I'm going to do him in one and done. Uh, I've already bet him outright at not a very good number, and uh, I will be. I th- I'm thinking about just going 100% on DraftKings, just uh, you know, just to be a hero. 100% is fire take Bryson season. I'm not sure if that's enough fire. Um, I, I definitely agree. Project really well. 
the price is exceptional. And I think that's kind of the most appealing thing. I, I prefer him outright to Fowler in, in ROM and yeah, kind of same. last week as well. Um, the price tag though, $10,000 is the, the big kind of separator between those guys for me. And I like that Bryson kind of gain strokes in all areas. And that's kind of like JT um, for the most part, although JT's drivers been off, but Bryson in, in general can, kind of his game's well-rounded enough that if something's not clicking, the rest of it can kind of pick him up. So, um, yeah, that, that takes not too hot. Well, the information I can gather about the course is that it seems to be a course that you kind of want to manage. And there's like a lot of, uh, I think, you know, Bryson is in the lab right now doing all of the altitude calculations and figuring out all the stuff he needs. Like Phil had a couple quotes about like, oh, well, you need to know where to miss or, well, you need to know where to miss to get the free drops at least for Phil, right? He had three free (laughs) drops at this tournament last year. But I think kind of any course generally that's more, or, or that places a weight on, uh, you know, course management and knowing where to miss and, uh, you know, figuring out like sort of things that, uh, you know, maybe Dustin Johnson is not uh, calculating in his head when he's about to take his shots. I think Bryson has an edge on any thinking man's course, basically. Yeah, so, so I have listened to no golf content this week. So any- that's, that's a big narrative. That's a that's bet. That's on all the shows. I was going to say any takes of mine are, that are egregious are solely my own and not borrowed from anywhere else. I was curious if people were going to be touting that about Bryson and where his ownership would come and everything. I, 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 think, know- I think it seems like he's going to be owned, but the only thing that would keep him from being, you know, the owned part of this group is that he has not played here before. Yeah. And I mean, you were just shitting on DJ, but I mean, the guy, I would, I would, I would never, I would, Dustin Johnson, (laughs) Dustin Johnson is a hero. And I actually think there's probably a slight edge in taking DJ this week because he's played sort of, you know, just okay the last two weeks. And, you know, people are, everyone on golf Twitter right now, you cannot click on a golf Twitter personalities uh, Twitter feed right now without them talking about JT strokes gained. Uh, approach like it's it's all the rage and I think that there's a lot of that and I don't see much DJ chatter at all yeah that makes sense I'm I'm not surprised that that would happen um DJ with a decent charge on Sunday he's played well here before uh if he ends up low and I could see a path to him ending up reasonably low um just because of the the depth of the field and the cheaper range isn't really there then I would I would for sure be interested in DJ, uh, I think we're, we kind of seem like we agree there. It seems like the guys who are most likely to go single digits would be Rom and Fowler, just because um, if people I, are. I'm just I'm just zeroing those dudes out. Yeah, that's so. Um, but I'm playing I'm playing like 20 teams. You're playing like way more. I don't know. So, I mean, I, I switch it up depending on what the tournaments look like. So, uh, like last week, I think I had. I'm winning. I'm winning the drive the green this week. This is the week that I do it. I think. I think 100 100% Bryson and uh, a Stone Stenson fade. Uh, I think is going to get me to the top of the drive the green this week. I would have a, a lot of interest in Rom if he ends up being single digits, which seems like it's it's possible. Um, he, he rates as a really strong value for us. He's you know leads off the tee and he's been putting well um, for the most part this entire season um if he ends up single digits i think that's a lot of tournament leverage and if you're not going to go contrarian on value plays because everyone makes a cut and you have to find ways at the top to separate and going with someone like rom um who actually is live to win the event at low ownership could be a, a good way to do that um I, I would also be interested in rory if he was single digit ownership but it just feels like that's probably not going to happen uh, rory's been driving the ball really well this season and that's uh, a positive sign um 
basically what JT is doing with his irons, Rory is doing with his his driver right now. Put those two guys together and scramble. And it would these be dudes are so good. It's hard for me to come up with declarative stances on any of them. The only the only one of this group that I like don't actually have any interest in having a financial investment on this weekend is Fowler. Yeah, yeah, and I, even him, if he was like five to ten percent owned, I think. Like for guys who can actually win the event, I, I do agree he's a little bit overpriced and definitely prefer Bryson outright. Um, I think like Ricky's putter drove a lot of his success at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but any of these guys, if you can get them single digits, I think you have to start to consider them in MME pools. Yeah. Uh, so sub 10K guys, Brooks 9.8, Tiger 9.5, Phil 9.3, Xander 9.1, Hideki 9K flat. Uh, Mayo has Xander outright to win. That's his That's his big tout this week. So that'll probably drive ownership a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Xander's a great play. I, I think Xander and Tiger have been playing similarly, not just with results, but the underlying metrics kind of going into it pretty balanced overall games i'm curious how much that big charge from tiger will will pump ownership or if he'll stay kind of compressed um is it is it just dumb of me to keep just like not playing tiger at all like i don't play him in showdown i don't play him in regular i i've not played him yet this year how has your year been I would say it's definitely better than my year was. Well, and part of it is I hit the Ricky outright, I guess. But yeah. like my my and my golf fund is up higher this at this point this year than it was last year. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's like stone fading Tiger this season. It seems like a, a poor decision, especially if his price tag can, continues to be kind of in the nine thousand dollar range. Obviously, it's a strong field this week, stronger this week than it was last week, but. Uh, I mean, he was a really good return on value last week. Um, well, I guess maybe a more sort of important question would be, because I think I'm probably closer in skill set to most of the of the listeners than, uh, than you would be. Do you place more emphasis on stone fading guys or deciding which guys to go overweight on? Like, what's more important to you, deciding to be overweight or underweight? um deciding which guys to be i mean they go hand in hand right <laughs> like you're, you're well going i mean there's a there's 150 guys and some guys you'll just do what the tools say and a lot of guys you're massaging and are you spending more time or uh expending more effort deciding who to like i probably spend more time figuring out who i don't want at all or who i want to be underweight on than right. i do than i do thinking about no i want to concentrate lineups around this guy or that guy I'd like, I spend more time thinking about guys that I want to boost that don't, um, don't rate as exceptional, but yeah. they have really good leverage scores because they're going to be very low owned. And so I want to make sure those guys at least get into the rotation. So that's something that, um, that I probably spend more time doing than adjusting people downwards. If I'm, if I want to get underweight on someone, it's like a quick and simple thing. You just like cap the ownership of the player and the optimizer and it's pretty easy to do, or you can just X them out if they're egregiously low owned. I won't be, I don't think I'll be like Xing out someone purely for ownership. Like if someone's a bad value and highly owned, then I just won't, I won't play them, but that's not going to be like an X out. They just won't pop in the rosters. So yeah, I think massaging the guys up that are maybe narrowly behind some of the more popular plays, but far lower owned is where I spend a good chunk of time customizing. Like I do definitely X out guys that rate out as like decent values on data golf, but see, are, you know, 12% owned or whatever. And so sometimes like I'm just in their Luke lists. 
Not, I mean, I would never, I would never X out Luke List. But yeah, like Keegan, actually, Keegan, I think, uh, Keegan was like a super strong value in data golf last week, but I, I just X'd him out. He was 23% owned, or, or is what, that's what we had him projected that. And I was just like, I'm just not going to play him. I'd just rather get extra, you know, Luke List teams. Yeah. I'd say that the one, the biggest thing I'm still like struggling with is how to like vary my approach based on field size and um, trying to think about like, I don't know, like in a 250 person field, if you make like one or two pivots, then that alone could be enough to separate yourself. Whereas if you're in like a 200,000 person field, then like you have to have the near nuts. And so I think those approaches are are really different and you need to have leverage in both scenarios, but in, in a smaller field, maybe it's just like one or two leverage spots. Whereas in a larger field, maybe yeah, I think, I think in the larger field, like if you are trying to win the drive, the green, like you should be creating a bunch of leverage points, right? Like you should just be trying to get uh, like a, like a lot of volatile situations that other people are going to be embracing, whether it be Siwoo Kim or Sung Kang or Keegan, like just, just getting away from that spot entirely and putting your variance on Andrew Putnam or Harold Varner seems like it makes more sense. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think you also end up more likely to go broke doing that. So it just depends. I'm fine. I'm fine going broke on a weekend of golf. Like I'm fine going broke for a month straight of golf just because I, I, I've now, I have not registered for a PGA cash game this year. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to hit the nuts once this year. Shoot the moon. Yeah. yeah. I, no, I mean, I do think that there's merit to that strategy, but like um, one of the hard things with DFS golf in general is the variance. And there's probably a lot of people who are listening to this who are now six weeks into the golf season and still haven't had a good result or have had like one winning week, but are down on the season. And it's really hard to, to step back and understand how much of that is, is just variance. variance versus how much is like making bad decisions and bad selections and whatnot. And so, especially in MME, if you're going to take big stands, then you need to be comfortable to like doing that consistently for three months, six months, like nine months, a year. Drewby, Drewby, I'm pretty comfortable losing for six months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, there we go. But other people aren't. And I don't know, each week in PGA DFS, like you're at best, like 20% to get a lineup six of six, much less finding the winner. So if you're playing one lineup, like and you have got a six to six result once in the past six weeks, like you're not doing that bad, but it probably feels like you suck. And so that's, that's like why PGA DFS is so fun, but so frustrating at the same time. Makes me, makes it crazy to think back of like all the time where I would play PGA cash and like would get six of six through. And just like thinking about like, I, that probably happened like, I don't know, 10 times ever, but it was, that still feels like running hot, like running over expectation to get six to six in cash ever. Yeah, I mean, it, it is for sure. Um, so anyways, 9K Hideki, guys. Yeah, I like Hideki a lot. Uh, I, I think his you, ball You and everybody else, pal. Yeah. So like, we'll see where the ownership comes. If um, I mean, his ball striking has been really strong. Definitely want to emphasize that a little bit this week. Uh, just hard to, you know, for Hideki, Tiger, Xander, they rate pretty similarly. Um, if there were huge discrepancies in ownership, I'd be fine taking the leverage either either way. If they end so up is is Brooks paying. not going to be owned because it's not a it's not a major, so he doesn't care. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, it feels like he he could get overlooked, right? Like his he's been I, playing. I listened much. to four podcasts before we did this one. Four. No, no one mentioned him. Four, four podcasts. Yeah, you got time for four podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, once they start coming out, once because they they start coming out on Monday and the um 
the the William Hill one comes out like overnight in the states, so it's the first thing I listen to on Tuesday morning, and then you know, no, we'll listen to another one while I walk the dog, and then another one while I'm prepping for this, and we're we're good to go. But I but no one's mentioned him. No one's given him more than like thirty seconds. Yeah, well, if he's uh, leveraged by then, that that would be very appealing. Um, I think these other guys rate a little bit better than him. Uh, his form hasn't been good to start the year didn't play well at the tournament of champions. And then he played those two European tour events in Abu Dhabi and Saudi Arabia and, um, you know, finished fine at one of them poorly at the other and kind of weaker field over at the Saudi international as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons where you could end up seeing Brooks go overlooked. Uh, I would say Phil's going to be the lowest of this range. I, I don't think people want to pay that price tag for Phil. I know I don't, man, I don't know. I think people like to play Phil, especially places Dude, where he's won no before. There's no way Phil is more than 10% owned. Will you give me 1.5 to 1 on that? Yeah. Okay. Booked. We got to start tracking these. I feel like I, I we're we're tied. <laughs> no, no, we're tied. Because you had you 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 gave me 2 to 1 on Hoagie not making the cut at Pebble and he did. Oh, I forgot all about that. Damn. Lost yeah. the time. Hoagie bet. It, keep betting against Tom Hoagie. See how it works for you, bro. A lot of people have gone broke betting against uh, betting against Tom Hoagie. So that's the that's the nine k range. I think there are a lot more interesting decisions to be made at the eight k range, especially if you think that the winner comes out of this range. You could build a pretty good balanced contrarian lineup using only guys priced between eight and nine k. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely could. There's so much win equity up top. It would be hard for me to like stone fade that entire range. Right. Um, but I mean, these are all great golfers. Um, a couple of them underpriced. I think Finau is one that seems most comfortably underpriced. Um, but then you, you kind of have Cantlay in that mix as well. Mark Leishman strong finished last week. Data golf darling, Paul Casey, Definitely a lot of good balanced contrarian plays in here. Um, Where do you stand in the in the great speed wars? Do you do you say you know, it's it's just one bad round a weekend, or do you say this dude is a basket case who can't who can't do it anymore? <laughs> dude, I just think it's funny that um, Jason Roslin will take like the victory lap every Thursday on speed bouncing back, and then Sunday he'll have to send out another message like oh, maybe a week too soon. He's not the only one though. They're all there, and people on both sides. He's though. the ringleader though, for sure. I mean, yeah. nobody is a bigger speed truth truther than him. So, um, I don't, I don't really have a, a firm opinion. I can I can obviously see it both ways. It definitely has been by the end of the week. Every week I'm like, oh. Like glad I didn't play Spieth, but um, every Friday I'm like shit. Like this guy. Yeah. Every time he every time he turns in it's every time he turns in a 67 on Friday, you're just like oh, brutal. Yeah. So I like the data golf T20 odds have him worse than Bubba. I I'm not there. I'm not like that low on him, but um, yeah, I'd rather play Fina than Spieth for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that that is uh, that's probably fair. Uh, I like I like Webb a little bit. Yeah, he's been off the radar for a little bit. So I think the the ownership on Webb will probably be pretty reasonable compared to these other guys. Like early in the week, I don't really trust these ownership projections that we have right now at all, but they'll be in a better place by Wednesday. But I, I think Webb, um, just because he's been off the radar, whereas like Finau can't lay Fleetwood, like people have been doing content on them, talking about them for a few weeks now. So 
I don't know. I guess the one of the scary things about both Finau and Cantlay is both of them actually putted well last week. And oh, t- Finau, I took I took Finau in one and done and had him outright last week. And I thought I would have a sweat. And then like his last like twenty holes were so bad. Yeah, I mean, if you if you were to know that he had gained like more than four strokes putting, yeah, I would I would have doubled down. I would I would I would have got in on him again on yeah. like Friday night. Crushed off the tee as well. So. I don't know. I guess there's, um, yeah, I guess a little bit of concerns with Cantley that maybe the finish last week wasn't quite as good as it appeared optically just because of how many strokes he's gained putting and just knowing that the odds of um, that happening twice in a row are pretty low. Molinari has not played since the Tournament of Champions and before that had not played in two months. What's this guy doing just... Dude, he, he, won a, he won a major. He is just hanging out. Uh, you know, him and Eduardo, they're just drinking wine, probably, you know, just playing like a, they probably have a par three course in their backyard or something, just hanging out. Yeah. It, it's kind of, I mean, I guess a lot of, he's just taking like an extended vacation from the, the swing season, it seems like. Um, well, when you win a major, a lot of the concerns of like needing to keep your card or qualify for events go away because when you win, you win a major, you get automatic entry into a bunch of tournaments for like the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, definitely won three events last year. So um seems like the, the price is reasonable. I, I don't really have a, a firm stance one way or the other. I think I like would rather, I'd rather play Fleetwood in general just because he has been playing more recently. He's been playing pretty well. Um, so like I prefer him and it, if Molinar is a huge ownership discount, then maybe I try to force a little bit in, but, um, I'm expecting that you will get a pretty good ownership discount on Molinari. Yeah. So again, it's like, I'm trying not to focus quite as much this week with the no cut on ownership of the individual players as much as I am the, the roster itself. So I, I guess that means Molinari might hit like builds that go chalkier up top might play Molinari as like a mid price range, but um, builds that start with like more contrarian guys up top or have contrarian guys down below, maybe stick with like the, the higher projected plays, which would kind of be like the, the Simpson Fleetwood can't lay female types of this range. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring people behind the, uh, behind the, the paywall a little bit. Gary oh. Woodland, Gary Woodland is the highest projected non 10 K golfer by data golf. He has, he like, this is like an insane value projection from him. Yeah. I mean, can you argue with it? No, I can't argue with it at all, but it is just when you sort by like total points, you never expect to see a guy who's 7,900 right below Rory. Yeah. I, I mean, he's, his recent form is absurd. Like he, he's been smashing. Um, the Sony open was like the one blip on his radar, but beyond that, it's just like, t10 factory just churning him out and the price tag is so low so i don't he is a guy who gains a lot of strokes with he's like a guy who gains a lot of strokes with his driver though right Uh, i think he's good on approach too i I don't think i'm not i'm not i'm not uh i'm not focusing as much on the uh i i want i want the i want the long irons i want the long irons this week yeah i mean like gary's gained strokes on approach every event this year so i mean the driver definitely was the, the bulk of them at Farmers Insurance and the Waste Management, but his approach game was really strong as well. Um, and then even, yeah, the Sony Open, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's been pretty good in general on approach. RCB, you in? Um, yeah, like, I, I mean, prefer Gary Woodland. It's just 
so he would be a guy that I could see if his ownership was like 20%, I could see taking like 50% just cause he's such an extreme value in this range. Like you can make an argument that he should be $9,000, So if I'm making, if I'm making 20 teams, I should just lock in Woodland and Bryson and let the computer do the rest. I mean, it doesn't sound egregious. Like I'm, that's maybe what I'm going to do, but maybe I would do it with, uh, Bryson is a computer, so you don't even have to do anything. Yeah. Oh man. I, I like Bryson's winning this tournament. Like I, <laughs> I never bet on the favorites on these events, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to put a decent sized bet on Bryson. I just have, sometimes you got to ride the feeling, uh, Chucky three sticks, Matt, actually, you know, who's, you know, who's going to be good, who people won't play is Kuchar. Kuchar. <laughs> Kuchar. They're not going to play him because of the, the tipping thing. I, I like really believe that stuff like that leaks into people's decision-making in DFS and like, because he's just not a popular guy right now. But yeah, like I, I think Kucher is a great play at 7,700. His results are, are, his results are crazy. He just plays so good at every event. Yeah. He's so, so consistent. Um, I mean, yeah, I definitely can't knock on Kuchar. He, he's gaining strokes in kind of every area you'd be hoping to see it for, and especially on approach. Um, if if the altitude stuff comes through, I mean, we've seen kind of medium-length guys do well. We've seen the Bombers do well. I don't think the course... I mean, Bombers, huge. Bombers, I, I mean, I'm not trying to make too many conclusions off of two years of results. I'm just trying to think about it, like, logically. Short hitters will have a little bit of, like, uh, the, the field will be a little bit even for them just because like it's going to be harder for the bombers to overwhelm it but guys who can hit it farther it's not going to be a disadvantage to hit the yeah. ball further the only thing is that they might they might just be a little bit wayward like they might not be able to control it as much and end up in the rough more often yeah yeah I, I, what's the sentiment on kucher are people negative generally i mean just from like what you see like on twitter yeah, yeah, I would, I would say, I would say so, but I, I don't know. I also have a hard sense of like how much of the field literally just makes their lineups based off of math on whatever optimizing site they use and how many people build lineups by hand. I always struggle with that. Yeah. I mean the three max, like smaller field or the higher stakes stuff. A lot of people are using optimizers and, and tools and the larger field stuff. There's a lot of people who are firing a couple teams off podcast or gut feel or whatever whatever they it, want it would make sense to me that kuchar would be you know how people post those graphs about like sharp money versus fish money and they they compare ownership in the five dollar versus the 333 dollar it would make sense to me that kuchar would be higher owned in the higher stake stuff lower owned in the lower stake stuff this week yeah maybe yeah we'll, we'll see um gary maybe, woodland maybe could, i'm wrong there woodland could be like 50 percent owned at at the higher stakes stuff. in the in the in the club pro yeah yeah because that it's pretty pretty obvious um so i don't know you got the the ian poulter pivot there you got kuchar and ian poulter if you want to play the double hated trifecta yeah you got patrick reed in there if you want three really hated tri- guys but. i mean you got you got louie in there if you want to go someone everybody hates everybody <laughs> hates louie man even people who like louie don't even really like him they just like his numbers i, I just you just like he's not even fun to watch play cool. either He's got a nice swing. Um, I'm just always worried he's going to like throw his back out every time he swings. Yeah. I, it's like you look at his like game logs and until that missed cut, they're just so steady. Obviously, a lot of European events in there, but you have the, the PGA Tour events too. And then I, I'm, playing, I'm playing Louis this week. I'm, I'm going to go back to the well as well. Yeah. But 
it's it's going to be a frustrating one. <laughs> uh, you know what sucks is how Tong at these WGCs he ends up being chalk. He would be fun to play if he was not, but how Tong always ends up being owned in these things. No, no. He's what do you think? Owned. You think he'll be like eight percent? Yeah. Fire it up. So he, like that's a, a example of someone that people like. Some of the people who play European Tour DFS or bet European Tour golf, like they'll tout him, but he's not a popular enough name that the the casual people who are just picking it up are gonna like fire him that hard. Um, especially like the two of the bigger decisions, I feel like are coming in this range and could be um, or three, I guess, guys could carry heavy ownership: Terrell Haddon, Henrik Stenson, Alexander Norin. Um, Long term, really strong golfers guys that people roster have rostered consistently in DFS and really cheap price tags. So like all those guys are going to appeal to people who are using models are going to appeal to casual people who are just going off names they recognize. And I just don't see a way that how Tong ends up that heavily owned. Do you think Stenson will be below or above 15%? I got to think he's going to be above. What do you make of three missed cuts in Europe? Like, does do you think he even cares? Like, is he just hanging out? Is he doing what Molinari is doing, but going to go, like, you know, just get some sponsor money for playing these events? Like, what's he doing? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, the other frustrating part is, like, the European Tour strokes gain data is not easy to find or work with um, right. right now. So, um, I, w- I would want to dig into his performances a little bit more to understand if it's, like, putting, driving the variance, if he's just, like just stone ejecting from everything. Um, I don't know if the three missed cuts will be enough given the fact that there's no cut this event given like a lot of people are talking about the missed cuts, but you can talk about missed cuts on podcasts all you want. And it doesn't detract away from the fact that Henrik Stenson is a hundred more dollars than Chez Revy. Yeah. Like no, what do you, they're not gonna play Lee fucking Westwood. <laughs> people, people will play Norin though. People play Norin. People will play Keegan and um, probably like Grillo as well. I think those would be the guys at the the cheaper end. Um, like Keegan kind of right there in this range. People for sure play Norin. I could, I think Norin could be higher owned than Stenson given the recent performance. So uh, that, that wouldn't surprise me too much. Um, and then Keegan, I think as well, like he's been popular. Yeah. He, I mean, he's basically been popular every event that he's played this year. And for the, for the most part, you're getting, pretty good results at least relative to the price like he hasn't missed a cut so you're not getting anyone who's been like totally torched and um he's either making the cut and like making birdies or he's starting off hot and then kind of losing ground over the weekend but either way you kind of have like this positive sentiment that at least he didn't like torpedo all your lineups he's always a cheaper guy so like sometimes just to make cut it makes you feel all right about it so yeah keegan and grillo i can see also being as higher potentially higher on than Stenson. Wonder I don't know uh, what I'm gonna do with Stenson, so I'll probably fade him. Just I that feels that him. feels like that feels like a good way to embrace variance, honestly. Like if there is enough concern over Stenson's I I think either the move is to go like pretty overweight on Stenson or to go pretty underweight on him. I don't think there's a ton of value in being even with the field on Stenson because I think he's like a pretty key decision point. Yeah, and he's definitely a big decision point. Um, the There aren't, like, that many pivots that are really exciting. Um, I'd say there are some one percenters, and I think in a field like this, if even if you do get kind of chalky with, like, three or four spots to your roster, I think there's enough one percenters, and this is kind of a range that has some of them. So I think if you're kind of focused on total ownership, then 
maybe getting some exposure, like even like three to 5%, you'll end up over the field on guys like you, Sluden, Shane Lowry. Um, I like, I like, I like juice. I so like I, it. Those guys, I think I'll give a lot of leverage. Maybe I won't fade Stenson. I don't know. Maybe that's dumb. 7,200. 7, maybe I could lock him. Okay. Lock in Bryson. Lock in Woodland. Lock in Stenson. I mean, that's, that's printing a winner right there. You'll have all the combos covered. Right? <laughs> There's just no way. There's no way to not come up with the winning roster. Uh, I don't see anyone else down here. Like, I guess I could tout Willett again. He's in he's in decent form, I guess. I don't know. Sixty yeah. six hundred for him feels low. Yeah, I I think some of those guys will end up popular. It feels like Willard's going to be popular. Um, Berjard will definitely end up two x owned, whatever he should be Mayo, owned. Mayo and Feinberg have been talking about Willett for like a month. It feels like. Yeah, but it doesn't doesn't people still don't play him. Yeah, I don't the know. guy so, the guy that gets boosted from Mayo is List. Like List is always five percent over owned relative to his projection. Yeah. Well, I think no. I mean, I don't know if Mayo's moving the list needle. Maybe, maybe the like whole, the whole the golf Twitter community. Yeah. 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 Like if Danny Willett gets ownership this week, it's all coming via Mayo. Like that—that's the Mayo bump there. Confirmed. Um, I think that's one of the other things that I struggle with is there's not a, val- a lot of value in this range that I like. Grillo's the the obvious play. Got to imagine he ends up being one of the most popular ones as well. And then there are guys that, um, like Abraham Answer, uh, that I think offer like decent like betting value, and I think are okay plays as like a one-off, but aren't guys that I want to take a huge position on um, in like a single entry or a three max. And I think that kind of leads back to the top, where it ends up being like a Bryson build lets you only take like one guy from this range, whereas the DJ JT builds you have to start getting two, three of these guys. And, and that's something that I'd be fine with an MME where I can spread out my exposure, but start feeling less comfortable doing it in a single entry, even though you're guaranteed four rounds out of the guys. You have any, you have any interest in like the, the stone men guys, Imahara, Millar, Coetzee. You want to, you want to tout George Coetzee? How <laughs> does he playing- keep getting invited to these things? Aaron Wise and Kyle Stanley have been playing them more than more than I'd like to admit. Yeah, um, I mean Stanley. I feel like Stanley can't even be that bad. Uh, he's going to get four rounds. He hasn't done that in a while. Yeah, like, Wise, Wise has had a bad start to the season too. He closed so strong. That's like one of the weird things we talked about it um, either last week or a couple weeks ago. It's just like hard with some of the guys where they're like short term form is poor, and they ha- you have like the the break in play. in December when like the season broke and then they come back and they're in bad form. And um, I don't know, like short term is in three months. It doesn't look so bad, but if you think about the break and play, it looks pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, All right. Any other DK takes? No, I don't think so. I need to figure out what I'm going to play for contests. um, As far as taking a MME approach with the no cut event versus kind of focusing on smaller field tournaments where you're less likely to overlap with people. So I don't know. Even more than golfers, I feel like that's the first thing I need to figure out. So three weeks in a row, Tony Finau showing up on the data golf tools as the most plus EV bet. I don't know. I, I'll bet it just because I'll be mad. I'll be mad. At, I'll be mad at the point in which Finau wins and I don't have the ticket. Yeah, I, it feels like a strong field, but um, 
but he's at, so at the last couple of weeks, he's been like 20 to one, 22 to one. He's 33 to one this week. Yeah. And I mean, stronger field, but uh, yeah, 34 to one on FanDuel Sportsbook. So nice price there. If you're in the, the great state of New Jersey, uh, it actually seems like they're offering uh, one of the things I've been looking at is like, which sites offer unique odds between the, the offshore ones. Yeah. And it seems like they offer their own lines and everything at least, which is nice. So you're not just like seeing the same exact prices like bet 365 in my bookie. Bovada just takes everyone else's odds and then cuts them in half. It's pretty great. The most tilting thing that happened this morning to me was um, my bookie had their tournament matchups out and I was able to bet one of them. I forget which one I was able to bet. And then I was just like, it was a pretty big edge. So I was like, okay, I'll just bet this right now. And then I'll find another one to bet. And then I saw um, Cantlay was minus 120 versus Bubba. And so I went to bet that and it aired out on me. And it was gone by the time you got back. And then not only was it gone, but every tournament matchup is gone. Like they took down all the tournament matchups. Yeah. I was like, what, what the fuck? The, the, like, I don't know. And offshore books are always 50. Like, honestly, it's 50, 50. If they're going to end up honoring uh, whatever the bad posted line was like, I have a, I have a, a pending soccer bet on one of these offshore books that I, that the line was off by like two goals. And I don't actually know. These weren't even like, I mean, it was like a bad line, but it wasn't like, like a, like a, a mistake. Like they took line. down all their matchups. So yeah. That, it's like what happened that made them take down all their matchups. So I bet a bunch of, I bet a bunch of three balls and a bunch of matchups last week using the data golf tools. And, uh, I, I think the the problem was, is they were all against Bubba and Bubba was like, not so horrible that all of them were winners. So I think I, I, I think I ended up just about breaking even, but it was, it's always interesting when data golf takes a super hard stance against one guy who's in a bunch of matchups. Cause then you have a bunch of bets all tied to one guy's performance. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a big fade. Um, I mean, I, were you betting the tournament or individual rounds? Cause both. Okay. I, I, I've been betting a bunch of golf cause it would be dumb not to. These tools are so good. Yeah, the tools are awesome. Like I think the tools T20s are so good. Last week, I definitely got crushed in T20s. I think I cashed one of them. Um, but went 7-2 on the head-to-head stuff. It was more or less a neutral week from a betting perspective. Um, probably end up with some of the, the longer um, shot guys in this field, just especially in like the T10, T20 type bets, the, the, the wise Grillo kind of Norin answer Bradley range of like the DK pricing seems like there's solid betting value relative to the T10 and T20 finish where we're kind of seeing like 30 or 40% um, edge on some of the lines out there. So those were some of the first ones after all my tournament matchups got canceled that I went to bet. Stanley, Stanley top 20 seems, uh, seems pretty decent. You can get, you can get that at five to one. Yeah, plus five fifty was the number I got on that one. Um, Grillo plus three thirty three. I thought was was a like the Stanley one. You're like betting the number and you don't feel remotely comfortable about it. Just like I have just like zero interest in playing the DFS outside of MME. But I'm sure I'll end up with some exposure. That's kind of the same thing when you're like you're just betting the number and not looking again until Sunday. <laughs> Who'd you take in one and done last week? Um, I, I oh yeah, like, you have the three entries. Yeah, um, let me pull it up. But uh, yeah, we we basically had the full punt because I feel like we're just dead for like the tournament unless we hit like a winner, which we did not hit JB Holmes. Um, and then I just don't want to burn like guys during the segment. So 
um, went with Xander, which I guess was like a little bit of a burn, kind of like a medium range burn. Got a hundred K out of him. Went with Cameron Smith with another one. Got like almost nothing out of him. And then uh, I forgot who the last one was. I think that uh, I think I am pondering Phil this week. Phil. <laughs> yeah, because I, I won't use Phil at US Open. I won't use Phil at I, – I don't even know if there's a tournament where I would use Phil, but he's a guy you want to use. And you want to use a, you know, a top 10 win equity guy at a WGC, and you know, he's coming off a win here. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I don't think Phil's like a top ten win equity guy, but I do agree that generally. You don't think the, he's a top ten win equity guy here? No, I don't. Hmm. Well, then maybe that's bad. But um, I, but he won't be very owned, I don't think. Um, so you have that benefit, and some of the people you're competing against, if you're still live in the first segment, will have already used Phil, so they won't like during his win like that's why they'll be high up on the leaderboard is because they already used him so if he wins then you're gonna get like massive leverage on those lineups so like that that would potentially be a supporting angle for for you if you're still live for the first segment i don't who did you have last week see i i was pretty live until last week and i had fino last week it was like i don't know 50k probably finished like t18 i think maybe Okay. Um, but yeah, I think generally like one and done $1.7 million to first. So big purse here, you kind of have some of the guaranteed money. Um, I think for, if you're maximizing like the event over the course of the entire PGA tour season and you, you're kind of still live, I mean, you're, you're almost getting the same price for these guys as you do in majors and you don't have any of the risk associated with like the cut, the $0 here. So if I, I mean, I think this is basically where you're looking to use like a top 10, top 15 player in the world. If you're going after either the main prize or you're going after the first segment. Yeah, I definitely think you want to use a stud. What are you thinking for your guys? Three entries? Are you just, uh, are you waiting to load up for the second or third segment? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll still like put, we have to wait to load up for one of the other segments, um, but I'll still take a chance on like, hoping we can connect on like a long shot and somehow get back into the full contest. Um, I guess because of our unique, so if we were still live for the segment or we had picked like a couple winners and we're live for the overall event, I would probably be sticking inside the top 15 golfers in this field. I think because we're not, I'll probably end up punting um, or semi punting. And I think European tour players are good for this type of event just because some of these guys aren't going to make that many starts on the PGA tour in general. Um, you're not necessarily going to want to use them in majors. So someone like an Ian Poulter is kind of on my radar as a guy that I don't think I would use too many times. He's not going to make too many starts and he's kind of live to win, but it's very clearly a, a secondary value. So he's like the type of punt that I'd be looking at Matthew Fitzpatrick types, Louis Ustays and types, you know, those are the type of guys that, where we're at that I'll probably be looking at is European tour player. That's not going to make too many PGA tour starts. There we go. Any other, any other takes you need to get off your chest? I, Oh, I guess I should mention maybe, maybe I'll take Bryson. Maybe I will just literally go all in. All in Bryson. I was kind of, I kind of wanted to use Bryson at the masters actually. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, I, you know what? It's more fun to just be all in on one dude. So we're going Bryson and one and done. We're going Bryson outright. We're going Bryson 100% on DK. I like it. Good way riding to close. The, riding the take. All right, boys. Uh, make sure if uh, you guys are playing on DraftKings this week, dailyroto.com, promo code FNTSY to get 10% off of your subscription and uh, enjoy the WGC Mexico.